let's look today at something that I've been teaching on, preaching on for two, this is the third week, faith. And I want to talk to you today about how faith prays. Let's look at John 16, 24, and it's only one verse, so I want everybody to read it with me good and loud like you've been born again. All right? Are you ready? Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. Father, thank you for the word of God today, and I pray in Jesus' name that you will bless it, that you will own it, and Lord, you will help us to understand the power of faith in God, in the promises of God, and how it manifests in the place of prayer. Change and transform our prayer lives today, I pray. If you want your prayer life strengthened, I want you to pray with me and say right now, say, Jesus, strengthen my faith, and in so doing, strengthen my prayer life in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him God heard that prayer. Amen. Amen. Well, so far in this series, we've been talking about faith. And we started out, now faith is, which is a definition of faith. And we learned that Faith is the guarantee of what is not yet seen. Now stop and think a minute. Faith believes in a promise of God, believes that God is going to do something, and so faith believes it and expects it and receives it before it ever arrives. That's faith. Faith is not moved by lack of results. Though the sky is blue and you're praying for rain, though there's nothing in the cupboard and you're praying for food, Though you haven't found a job yet, you're praying for a job. Faith is not moved by lack of results. Faith is moved by the promises of God. And faith embraces what hasn't arrived yet as if it has. It says hello. It says hello to what you have prayed for before God ever delivers it. It so believes it's coming that it embraces it before it arrives. That's how faith acts. Now today I want to talk to you about how faith praise, how it prays. And what I mean by that is, how does saving faith, the true Bible kind of faith, manifest itself in the place of prayer, in our prayer life? How does it manifest itself? How does it look? How does faith pray? Because let me tell you something. If you're a born-again child of God, you are going to pray. And think with me for a moment. The very first prayer you ever prayed that mattered was when you said, Jesus, forgive me and come into my heart and be my Savior and Lord. And guess what? The Bible says Jesus gave you the faith to pray that prayer. Watch this. It says, faith, or, or he that began a good work in you will finish it to the day of Jesus Christ. Hebrews calls him the author and the finisher of our faith. So when, when I prayed there in juvenile homes so many years ago when I was 16 years old, I had never prayed in my life. Where did the faith come from for me to pray and ask Jesus to forgive me and come into my heart? The Bible says he's the author of my faith. It says God has given every man the measure of faith. So the first prayer that you and I ever prayed, the prayer of salvation, the first prayer that really mattered, he began our faith. And the Bible says he's the perfecter of our faith and the finisher of our faith. Everybody say with me, he's the author and the finisher, the beginner and the ender. 
the Alpha and the Omega of my faith. So saving faith came from him. Now, I want to look today at how faith goes on to manifest itself once you're born again, how it presents itself, what it looks like. And let me just say, first of all, that if you're a true born-again child of God, you have faith that prays. You have faith that prays. When you and I said, Jesus, come into my heart and be my Savior and Lord, the Bible says the Holy Ghost came to live inside of us. And let me tell you something about the Holy Spirit. He's a praying spirit. It says he, he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. When the Spirit of God came to live inside of you, a praying Holy Spirit came to live inside of you. And the Bible says that our spirit and his spirit became one. Listen to what the Bible says. He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Amen. So if I'm joined to the Lord by salvation, I'm one spirit with him. So my spirit and the Holy Spirit are now one. And that means that as the Holy Spirit is a praying Holy Spirit, making intercession for me, then I am a praying man. If you're a male, you're a praying man. And if you're a woman, you're a praying woman. Saving faith is praying faith. Listen, a Christian who doesn't pray is like a human that doesn't breathe. Prayer for the true child of God is as natural as breathing or eating or sleeping. Whether you pray quietly in your heart, which I do all week long, all the time, I'm always praying in my heart, fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit on the inside, or you're shut away in a prayer closet, or you're shouting out in urgent need, the child of God will pray. The child of God will pray. It's oxygen. Now you have been joined to the Lord. You've got a heavenly Father and like the old movie said, E.T., phone home. When you get saved, God says, phone home. Talk to me. Come into my presence. Hebrews 4.16, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we might obtain mercy and find the grace to help us in the hour of need. A Christian is a praying Christian. In our text, Jesus speaks to his disciples as men who had not formerly been strong praying men. But now that they have followed him, Jesus encourages them to develop a prayer life. Look at what he says, until now, up until now. He's saying, you haven't been strong in your prayer life until now. But now that you know me, now things have changed. You have not asked anything in my name until now. But now that you're my disciple, ask and you will receive. Nobody encouraged prayer more than Jesus Christ did. He encouraged asking in his name. You know, heaven loves the name of Jesus. Heaven loves the name of Jesus. When you go to God in Jesus' name, it rings heaven's bells. It is the key to heaven's gates. It is the key to the ear of God. When you as his child say, Lord, I'm coming to you in Jesus' name. He says, tell me what you want. Tell me what you want. Amen? Look what he said. John 14, 13, whatever you ask in my name. All the verses I'm about to quote all stipulate asking in his name. Whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. See, when God answers a prayer in Jesus' name, then immediately the Father is glorified in his Son, Jesus Christ. He encouraged us to pray over our desires. 
John 15, 7 says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Now, I've got, I've got to predicate that with this balance. The Bible says, if we pray according to his will, we know that he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, we know we have what we have requested of him. Now, there's where John is balancing out the whole message of prayer. It's not whatever you want, God's going to jump and give it to you. Prayer is coming into agreement with the will of God. Prayer is when you and I say, all right, I understand what God's will is. I know, you know, Jesus taught us to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. So real Christian Bible, Holy Ghost-led prayer is when we come into agreement with God and his will, and we say, Lord, I know this is your will, so I'm praying according to your will. And my desire is what your desire is. What I want is what I know you want. And so if I pray according to what you desire, ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. He connected a fruitful spiritual life with answered prayer. Watch this, John 15, verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you. Now look what he's talking about, that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. So the first part of this verse, he's talking about us being fruitful in the things of God, bearing fruit. What is that fruit? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, kindness, faith. And as we grow in the fruits of the Spirit, look what he says. That your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. So as we grow spiritually, so does our prayer life. Amen. Jesus connected a fruitful spiritual life with answered prayer. So I want you to say with me, saving faith, saving faith. is first praying faith. How many of you can say, I've already prayed today. I prayed on the way here coming through the ice. Come on, you prayed. Jesus put skinny angels next to my car. Amen? So if you're a believer, you will pray. You will pray. You will pray. You can't not pray. A second characteristic of praying faith is that it will persevere in prayer. Saving faith is praying faith. And saving faith is also persevering faith. I, there's a saying that I, I, I quote. Let me see if I can do it. Faith that fizzles at the finish was faulty at the first. Faith that fizzles at the finish was faulty at the first. You know why I quote that? Because saving faith is persevering faith. Saving faith won't fizzle. Saving faith, now you may have some struggles in your faith. You may have some areas where your faith is not as strong as it ought to be, but the bottom line is the faith that God put in our heart to get saved and the faith that Jesus is perfecting is a faith that ultimately will hang on, hold on, not let go, not quit, not walk away, but saving faith is staying faith. Come on, everybody. I once heard a man preach that if you pray for something more than once, you're not praying in faith. And you know that that couldn't be further from the truth? Did you know the Bible tells us all the time 
that, that, that we should pray and not faint in prayer, not give up, not put up the white flag, not walk away, not give up on God, not leave church, not renounce our faith, but that saving faith is staying faith. It's not faith that fizzles. Saving faith will persevere. And the Bible tells us to do that over and over and over again. Jesus taught, and I'm reading from the Amplified Bible here. He said, ask and keep on asking. Now listen to the three keep ons. Ask and keep on asking. And it will be given to you. Seek and keep on seeking. And you will find. Knock and keep on knocking. And the door will be open to you. Now those three words connect to each other. Like you've got a, the locomotive, that's the asking. You've got the middle car, that's the seeking. You've got the caboose, that is the knocking. We begin by asking, we say, Lord, give me a job. I'm asking for a job. But you don't sit in your living room waiting for the phone to ring or somebody to come knocking on your door. When you ask for a job, you've got to go start seeking. Come on, everybody. It says, seek and you will find. We ask and then we believe that God heard our request and now I'm going to cooperate with God, and I'm going to start seeking for that job. But then we need perseverance, and that's where the knocking comes in. Ask and keep on asking. Seek and then keep on seeking. You don't go to one place looking for a job, the place you really wanted, and if they turn you away, you don't go home and put your Bible up and never believe God again and walk away from the church and forsake the faith because it did not happen on the first go-around. No, God says, seek and keep on seeking. He says, knock and keep on knocking. Seeking means I'm putting feet to my faith. Knocking means I'm persevering in putting feet to my faith. And so, listen, when I went to look for this building, when we were looking for a building for our church, I, I looked at at least 20 or 30 buildings. There were buildings I just knew it was God. Matter of fact, I was convinced of one of them, totally convinced. Went home, told Kathy, I got a building, I know we, I found our building. But there was one man on the board of directors of this building who said, no, I wanted to find him. I wanted to take him into a sanctified alley and ask him why he was saying no because all the rest of the board of directors were saying sure hey that's great you take this building but this one man he was like one person on a jury of 12 who says no 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 and I couldn't figure it out but I had to finally believe God is in charge of that one man God is sovereign over that one man God is using that one man even though I hate to admit it so I'm gonna keep on looking and I kept on looking until God opened this building up right here and when he did, the door flung open. The finances fell into place. And God made a way where there was no way. He made a river in the desert. He made a road in the wilderness. But every day, weeks on end, we looked and we looked and we looked, seeking and keeping on seeking, knocking and keeping on knocking. And finally, it opened. Paul told the Ephesian church, pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. He told the Colossians, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. In other words, don't quit. Keep on. Keep on praying. If you know something is the will of God, how do you know? You know because the Bible tells you what the will of God is. If I'm praying for people to be saved, I know that's the will of God. For God is not willing that any should perish, 
but all would come to the knowledge of the truth. So every week I pray that people are saved in church. And this morning we had four people come down in the early service in an icy Sunday to give their hearts to Jesus. Four people. Now that means that heaven is rejoicing already today and God's not done yet. But see, I pray every week because I know I can stand on that promise. I know that's His will. I know He's going to give me what I've asked of Him. So even if a Sunday came and in all three services nobody came, nobody responded, would I quit praying that people be saved? Never. I just keep on knocking and I keep on seeking and I keep on asking. And eventually God moves. Jesus said in a parable, Men ought always to pray and not give up. Sometimes a prayer is answered immediately, while other times perseverance and prayer is the only thing that will bring an answer. You just got to keep on keeping on and persevere no matter what you see or don't see, what is happening or what is not happening. The truth is, here's, let me tell you something about prayer. The truth is, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes when first we pray. When we go to heaven and we approach the throne of God and we say, Father, in Jesus' name, I'm asking for this, that, or the other. And what I'm asking for, I know is in your will because it's in the Bible. It's in the Word of God. So I know I'm praying according to the will of God. What we don't see is how God goes into motion and goes into action and God begins, to moving, uh, begins moving in ways that we're not aware of. Did you know that most of what God does, we're never aware of it? Some of you have been praying for things for a while. You've been targeting something in prayer. And what you don't see is God is already getting you ready for the answer and the answer ready for you. God, God is moving behind the scenes. There are some prayers that we pray that, that it, they're just going to take some time. Sometimes God is getting the right situation ready for you and you ready for the right situation. If he gave it to you the minute you began to pray, it might mess you up. God has to chisel some on you, work some on you, grow you up a little bit, and then God answers that prayer. It's usually a little bit of both. He's getting you ready for the answer and the answer ready for you. But you can be sure that when you pray according to his will, God is moving behind the scenes to answer it in ways you don't see or know until the answer finally arrives. When I was a little boy, I loved trains. I don't know why, because I don't like trains now at all. I like riding on one, but I really try to not have to wait for one to go by. I don't like them that way. When I was a little boy, I loved Trains. I was fascinated with trains. And one day, a few weeks before Christmas, my daddy came to me. And my dad said, Jeff, what do you want for Christmas? And I just blurted it out. I had faith as a little boy. I, I blurted it out. I said, I want a train. He said, you want a train? I said, I want a train. I was about five years old. I want a train. He said, okay. I'll never forget that next Christmas morning. I was up early. I was always up early. My dad did this. My dad would get an apple, and he would show it to me the night before. And he would say, I said, what what's that for? He'd say, this is for Santa. And the next morning, the apple would be eaten to the core, and I'd go, ooh, he was here. 
But watch this. I was always up early on Christmas morning, down under the tree, opening the presents. And I opened up everything. No train. And then my mom and dad said, Jeff, come with us. Now, I was in New York. I was born in New York. Don't hold it against me. I was raised in Texas. I'm good. I say y'all. Instead of use guys. Now, um, we had a basement. Because everybody in New York has basements. I was in upstate New York. And we had a basement. And, and my mom and dad took my hand and carried me down to the basement. And my dad said, Jeff, flip on the, the light switch. And I flipped the switch. And when I flipped the switch, it activated a Lionel train that my dad had constructed complete with a headlight, smoke coming out of the locomotive, mountains and hills and valleys that it crossed over and under and, and all of those things on a huge piece of plywood. It was amazing. Now watch. I said, Dad, I want a train. And then he began to answer my prayer. But I didn't know what he was doing. I didn't know that my dad was working behind the scenes in ways I couldn't see. He was out buying plywood. He was constructing the tracks. He was buying the train. He was making and building the hills and the valleys and the bridges. All these things, all I saw was the finished product, the train I'd asked for. And prayer is the same way. You say, God, I want a train, whatever your train is. I want a train and God, in Jesus' name. And I know it's your will. And God says, all right. And what you don't see is he goes to work on your behalf behind the scenes in ways that you don't know. He gets people ready. He gets circumstances ready. He gets money ready. He gets the door ready. He gets everything ready. He sets a table before you in the presence of your enemies. He gets everything ready. And then in the right time, the right moment, in his timing, he says, flip on the light switch. And we see the answer. And we go, wow! And I can truly say that what my dad did that Christmas was exceeding, abundantly, above all that I could ask for or even imagine. And that's what the Bible says God does. So that's why we've got to persevere. We've got to be patient with some prayers. Because God's moving and you've got to give Him time to move. Amen. How many of you have got a train you're waiting for. Come on, you've been praying about some things. Give God time. How many of you have been, have been waiting for a while? How many of you have prayed more than once? How many of you have prayed a lot of times? But you keep on doing it because you know it's the will of God. Come on, let me see your hands. The Bible says persevere, 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 and don't give up because God is working. Now, a third characteristic of praying faith is really important. This might be the most important one of all, and that is praying faith trusts God's character. The Bible kind of faith places its trust in the righteous, trustworthy character of God. Let me tell you a secret. Here, here's a reality of life. Any promise is no better than the one who made the promise. Isn't that right? There's not a promise made that... that it, any promise that you're ever given is no better than the promiser. It's no better than the one who made the promise. We've all experienced um, being promised something or guaranteed something by somebody, and we walk away and somebody comes up to us and says, what, what do you think about that promise? And here's what we say. We say, I don't know, because I just don't trust them. 
And when we say, I don't trust them, what we're saying is, I can't believe them because I don't trust their character. And so if I don't trust their character, their promise is worthless to me. Because a promise is only as good as the one who makes it. See, watch this. I can't believe someone that I don't believe in. Catch that, everybody. See, see, it says about Abraham. It says, Abraham believed God. And it was counted to him as righteousness. But why did Abraham believe God? He believed God because he believed in God. He believed that God is the God of the promises. He believed that God is true to his word. He believed that the word of the Lord will never return void, but it will do what it's sent forth to accomplish. He believed in the God, the character, and the trustworthiness, and the truthfulness, and the loyalty of the God of the promise. See, you can't believe the promises of God without believing in the God of the promises. Oh, I'm saying something here today. It really matters. you got to catch this now. Because you will never pray with boldness and confidence to God if you don't believe in God and what the Bible says about God. Let me tell you what the Bible says about God. Numbers 23, 19 says this. God is not a man that he would lie. This is Moses writing. God is not a man that he would lie. God will never lie to you. Can I say it again? God will never lie to you. He will never lie. He's not a man so that he can ever or will ever lie. If he says, you call upon my name and upon my son, and you say, I believe you died for me and rose from the dead, I put my faith in you as my Savior, God's not a man that he can lie. You will be immediately saved. He will never say, well, you know, it's true for 90% of them, but it's not true for you. He'll never say that. God is not a man that he can lie. You don't ever have to worry that God's pulling the wool over your eyes. That's what Satan told Eve in the garden. God's lying to you. God wants to withhold from you. God doesn't want the best for you. And Satan attacked God's character. And when he attacked God's character and she believed it, she fell. It matters what you believe about God. Now he goes on. God isn't a man that he would lie. Or a human being that he would ever change his mind. God never changes his mind. The Bible you're holding in your hand is a book full of promises made thousands of years ago. But what was true thousands of years ago is true today. You know why? Because the God that made the promises never changes. He never changes. Our God never changes. James said, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow, not even a shadow of change. Not even a shadow. He doesn't change even a shadow. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights who never changes. He never changes. What was true yesterday is true today. The word of the Lord endures forever. The flower and the grass wither and burn up in the summer. But the word of our Lord endures forever. He never changes. Jesus said, your word is truth, and it never changes. And it never changes because he never changes. 
He never shifts for a culture or a people or because we want him to. He never changes. There, there is a truth that is not relative to circumstances, and it's the truth of God's word. That's why I tell you all the time, trust God's word, because the one who gave the promises never changes. Come on, everybody. He asked the question, has he ever spoken and not done it, or promised and not fulfilled it? Psalms 89, 14 says, your throne stands on what is right and fair. Your throne, Lord, your authority, everything you're about is right and fair. Over and over again, the Bible affirms God's trustworthy character. You can trust him. So therefore, you can trust the promises. The bottom line is his character is unassailable. His promises are unbreakable. And our knowledge of that is what gives us boldness and confidence in the place of prayer. Because he said, if you pray according to my will, it's coming. And he's not a man that he can lie. Amen. Amen. For instance, when God was about to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, Abraham approached him in prayer. And he began his prayer. He stood right in front of God. As God was making his way down to Sodom and Gomorrah, he stood right in front of him. And he made a statement affirming God's character. He said, will you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? He's not questioning God. He's saying, I know you. And you will do what is right. Because your character is righteous. And then he began praying. And I love it. I love the way he prayed. Because he believed in a trustworthy, loyal, righteous, and compassionate God. He prayed for mercy. And he started out praying, Lord, if there's only 50 people, will you, will you spare the city for 50 people? God said, okay, if there's 50, I'll spare the city. He said, well, okay, since you'll do that, how about 45? God said, all right, for 45, I'll spare the city. And then now Abe's on a roll. He says, what about 40? What about 30? I, listen, if I was buying a house, I'd want Abraham in there with me. <laughs> because he says, what about 30? What about 20? And he goes all the way to 10, from 50 to 10. He said, if there's 10 righteous, will you spare it, Lord? He said, for 10. But guess what? There wasn't even 10 left in that city. But see what God was willing to do? And, and Abraham was able to pray it because of what he believed about his character. He believed that God's character was righteous and trustworthy and good. That's why we say all the time, God is good. All the time. And all the time... A.W. Tozer once wrote this. Listen carefully to this statement. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. That's a powerful statement. And he goes on. Here's what he writes. The picture we have of God, what we believe his nature or character to be, profoundly influences the way we move through life approach relationships, manage resources, or handle the difficulties we encounter along the way. The picture you have of God is the greatest predictor of where you will be 10 years from now. Not your degree, not who you marry, but how you see God. Is he a good God or is he unfair? Does he truly care about what happens to me or does he not? Is he able really to answer prayer or not so much? 
Does he love me unconditionally, faults and all, or does his love swing on the hinge of my performance? What you believe about God is the most important thing about you because nothing else will mold and shape your life more than that. Jesus told the parable of the talents. He said, a master of a householder went on a long journey and he turned his talents over to three servants. One servant got five, the other servant two, and one servant one. The one that had five invested and made five more. He had ten to give back to the master when he returned. The one that had two invested and got two more and gave back double what the master had sowed into his life. But the one that had one buried it. Now I want you to listen why he buried it. He said, sir, when the master returned and faced him, he said, sir, I knew, I just knew you were a hard, unfair man. And I was afraid you would rob me of what I earned. So I hid your money in the earth and here it is. Now watch this, everybody. This one who failed, this one who buried his talent, didn't invest it and didn't use what God had given him, he did it because of what he believed about the master. To this man, his master was harsh, unfair, fearful, and untrustworthy. He totally distrusted the character of the master, and it robbed him of a fruitful life. Wow, it matters what you believe about God. See, I know that I'm not giving my life in vain. I know that having served the Lord since I was 18, I haven't done it in vain. I haven't wasted my time. I haven't wasted my life. A wasted life is the life that never serves God. And why have I given him my life? Because I believe some fundamental things about God. He's good. He's worthy. He's trustworthy. He's honorable. And he is the living creator, God. What do you believe about God? What do you believe about God? Can we stand today? What do you believe about God? Do you believe he's good? Do you believe he answers prayer? Do you believe that he is powerful? Do you believe he can bind the devil? Do you believe he can set you free? Do you believe he can heal you? Do you believe he'll provide for you? Do you believe that he's your peace? He's your banner? He's your shepherd? He's your strength? He's your guide? He's your counselor. Do you believe that about God? Then that's the way you'll pray. So say with me, true faith will pray, will persevere in prayer, and places its trust in the trustworthy character of God. Can we hold holy hands up towards the Lord today? Father, we believe that you are good and righteous and just and fair. And though we don't understand everything that happens on earth, Lord, we do know that behind the scenes, you are only doing what is right. Lord, I pray if any of us have a picture of God, such that would rob our faith like it did the man with the one talent and, and rob us of a fruitful life, 
I pray, renew our minds to see you as the God worth serving who so loved the world he gave his son. Now we're going to just practice what we talked about. I want you to take a minute and just say, Lord, I give to you. And whatever your train is, say, God, I give to you give to you this request based on the promises of your word and I trust you to answer me and as you pray we're just going to sing for a moment thank you Lord you are faithful keeper of my promise patience through the process you keep calling and I know you'll finish what you started. Wonder working, Father, lead me on. If you believe God heard your prayer, lift your hand and say, Lord, I believe it. I believe you. I believe the promise because I believe in you. Amen. Now, with our heads bowed quickly, I want to pray for anyone who needs Jesus today. I never assume everybody knows him in a church service. And maybe you've got a question mark about your salvation today. I want to encourage you. Pray this prayer with me right now. We're going to come to Jesus and ask him to save us because he's promised. He can't lie. If we pray it, it's his will to save us. And he will save us. So let's pray together. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, I believe you died for me and rose from the dead so that I could be saved. Forgive me my sin, Father, in Jesus' name, and come into my heart as my Savior and Lord, in Jesus' name.